Original content. Content. Compelling discussions. Audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. Synonyms of the word change. Alter. Make different. Become different. Adjust. A lot's changed since our first episode. And every day, we evolve, we adapt, we change. This is the 250th episode of The Clay Young Show. He is the best who's doing it now, Neil Wilson. Thank you, brother. He is the voice of Podcast225.com and this podcast. Welcome to episode 250. So glad to have you here in the weirdest year that I can't ever remember, but that's okay. We'll keep it trucking. We started this show in a year that was so different, 2016, that was crazy in a lot of places, especially around these parts. And we've talked about a great number of things as we have gone through it. Neil is absolutely right. We've had to adapt and evolve over time. Thank you to Neil and Carla and Orlanda and Kayla and James and Dave and everyone who's helped make this show something that we can all be proud of and something that many of you have used as a conduit to get information to the public and a source for information. You are the most important thank you in there. Those who have listened to many of the shows, who download the show, who email me, who tweet me, who message me on Facebook, I appreciate it. 250 is a big number. I'm extremely proud of it and looking forward to getting even more out of the way. So, talking about 250. Today, we're going to talk with our first guest, our 50th, and then so on, and he's back for episode 250, Jay Darden, who is Commissioner of Administration for Louisiana. I want to talk with him about what corona is doing to the Louisiana economy, what it's doing to the people of our state in terms of morale and confidence and divisions. And as many of you may remember, or some of you may not because of everything that's been going on, Jay is on the short list of the people who could lead LSU going forward. And I'm going to ask him where that is and what's happening with that, and you'll hear it directly from him. Then we're going to talk with Dr. Bo Clark, who is coroner for East Baton Rouge Parish, and he's worn many, many hats. We'll get into some of that with him. He's going to talk about the science versus the science fiction that relates to the coronavirus. And he's very, very straightforward, a brilliant guy. And you'll get to hear his perspective on what's happening with the virus. And then it's July. Right about now, everybody's getting ready for football season, which begs the question, will that happen? Well, I got somebody in studio who's going to be able to talk about that. Gordy Rush, who played at LSU, who runs a bunch of radio stations, who's a sideline reporter for LSU, and he's got intel on what's going to happen and actually has a specific answer to whether or not there will be football and the follow-up question, what will that look like? So we're gifting you with great content on episode 250, and we get it started with Commissioner Jay Darden. Podcast225.com Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, 
Call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Alter. Make different. Become different. Adjust. The world is changing. And we're changing with it. This is the 250th episode of The Clay Young Show. Back with the man who was my first guest, my 50th, my 100th, 150. You get the picture, and he's back for 250. He's done a few more shows than that. Uh, This was four years ago. He was lieutenant governor at the time that I started down the road of doing these podcasts. And now he is the commissioner of administration for Governor John Bell Edwards, Jay Darden, the Louisiana original. What's up, brother? How are you? Clay, doing great. Uh, congratulations on your longevity and uh, the success of this podcast. I've, I've enjoyed being a part of it through the years. Well, it's it's been great. If you think about it, Jay, when we started doing this, the first episode that I did, we had not had the summer of 2016. We had not had the flood of 2016. We certainly hadn't had coronavirus and everything that has followed that. So we've we've seen a lot of changes in Louisiana. And you, Uh, as being someone who has served in so many capacities in government serving the public. Would you agree that this is the weirdest year that we may have ever seen? There's no question it it is, and and it's going to be a year that we're all going to forget at some point because it's just going by so fast with so little activity. Uh, We're all hoping it comes to an end and that this pandemic comes to an end sooner rather than later, but it it is one bizarre year. When you think about just a few months ago that we were celebrating the Tigers championship and everything was on right. a high. We were, the economy was ginning. Right. All the, all the debate that took place in the election about are things good or things bad, you know, things were really shaping up well. Our, our budget projections were, were outstanding. We were looking at another surplus and then all of a sudden the bottom fell out for everybody. And it's, it's been interesting to determine what up will look like when this is all over. So let's begin with the economy of the state of Louisiana. For people who are wondering, what has Corona done to Louisiana? What would the answer be? Well, like it's done to virtually every state, it's been uh, destructive. Uh, just look at the unemployment numbers, look at the businesses that have been forced to, to close out of health and safety reasons. And um, nonetheless, we, we're, we're still doing better than I think a lot of us thought we were going to do, but that doesn't mean we're doing well. It just means we were, things are not quite as bad as what I thought they were going to be at this point in time when, it, when, we, uh, when all of this started. We were, we were certainly hoping we'd be further on the road to recovery by now, and, and we're not, and we're seeing this, this spell that's uh, very discouraging right now where our numbers are going up, our hospitalizations are up, and uh, all at a time when we're hoping and expecting to get back to school, get back to football, and hopefully taking a deep breath and and having things look a little rosier. And frankly, they're not looking rosier right now. Well, as you know, I mean, your ear is to the ground and and not just in Baton Rouge, but around the state. Jay, a lot of people are not happy with some of the restrictions on business. And, and, And to be honest with you, I can relate. If someone owns a business and they've worked their lives to build it, and now they're being told they have to close it because of this virus, you know, there are people who are upset about that and some who are just absolutely flouting the the orders from the governor, the governor and, and doing business. Kind of speak to that a little bit. Well, don't think that we're happy about this at all either. I mean, obviously, this is not uh, what the governor would like to see going on in Louisiana. Uh, 
we, we'd love to have business back to normal, but we, we can't just bury our head in the sand and pretend that everything is fine. And so, therefore, it's okay to, to get back to business as usual. This is not business as usual. And it's frustrating for all of us. And, and obviously, the governor is the one who has to make the decisions and the one who has to decide uh, when it is appropriate to, to move to different phases and, and what have you. And we were all very optimistic that we were headed in the right direction until things started going south after the the 4th of July, after we moved into phase two. And, and we're on a very troublesome trajectory right now that we hope is going to reverse itself. But, but this is the time frame right now where we're seeing the results of the 4th of July weekend. And with people getting together and, and people feeling liberated in some sense, um, anxious to get back to some degree of normalcy. But despite all the cautions and, and concerns, it, it people have, have not responded in a way that we've been able to uh, bend the curve the way it ought to be done and, and drop hospitalizations and drop deaths and drop number of cases. Things are just headed in the wrong direction. I'm going to be talking with uh, the coroner, Bo Clark, a little bit later on about some of the science behind COVID. It seems like with this virus, the target is moving when it when it Obviously, it's a novel virus. It's the first time we've dealt with it. The first round of this earlier this year, kids weren't as susceptible apparently to this. And now as the spikes have gone up, we're hearing more stories about children contracting it and passing it to one another and giving it to their parents and grandparents. I mean, what do you know about what's what's happened with the evolution of this thing? Well, I'm, I'm certainly not the one to give you medical or scientific answers <laughs> other than just what we all read about in the, in the conventional media and what we listen to on TV. And uh, unfortunately, it is a novel virus, and it is apparently mutating and creating different strands and different concerns that, that have everybody um, very concerned about whether a single vaccine is going to knock it out because it's like the cold. It's like the common cold and like the flu. It's one of those type viruses. And um, obviously, people are working day and night to perfect a, a vaccine or more than one vaccine that will combat this. And until that happens, we, we know that it looks like we're not going to be out of the woods completely until we can we can get people vaccinated and we can find uh, treatments that, that are going to be effective um, at all age levels. Because as you point out, we, we originally thought this was mostly affecting older people. That was the high-risk group. And, and now, unfortunately, we're seeing babies and we're seeing uh, more and more children hospitalized and, and deaths arising across the country, and obviously that makes things even more troublesome. So but, but the, back to your economy question, I mean, obviously we want to get the economy rolling again as well. That's the last thing the governor wants to do is to have to continue to say it's not safe for us to uh, to start moving toward a more normal response. But until we get to the point where uh, the health officials are comfortable, um, we're, we're just going to be where we are. The the notion of wearing masks, to, it's a big mystery to me how this has become such a cause celeb nationally. I mean, it, it, I think it starts because of, of the president's early refusal to acknowledge that this was an appropriate response. But it, it's such an, a relatively easy thing to do. And those people who want to see businesses open, who want to see schools open, who want to see football in the fall, they, we all ought to be wearing masks. It, it's proven that it is an effective combatant. Uh, to the spread of the virus. And, and it's unfortunate in my mind that that's taken on a political twist and, and something that people are are using as a sign of defiance to um, to what they perceive as a government overreach. And that that is a perfect segue into where we are now is when you are talking about the coronavirus and the numbers and what we need to do, 
most of this on both sides is seen through the prism of politics, which basically throws everything out of the window. It's hard to get any consensus when people see things only political. How do you get that back on track where people can trust that what they're hearing is brass tax reality and not spin one way or the other? Well, I wish I had a good answer for you on that one because I don't know. I mean, you've got a group of people who are going to think that Fox News is the gospel and you're going to have a group of people thinking that CNN is the gospel and you can watch those two as I have done over the course of these months in sitting in the, the uh, war room, basically, with both TVs on and just watching two entirely different reports of the world and the, and the, the virus and, and what the response to the virus is. So uh, it, is, it is being perpetuated by the kind of things that are going on in Washington in general and the kind of things that are taking place in the main, mainstream, quote, mainstream media that are, that are communicating often two entirely different uh, messages about the severity of the of the disease, but I don't know how any of us can can question the severity of the disease when you look at the number of deaths and hospitalizations and illnesses and talk to anybody who has contracted coronavirus and they will tell you regardless of their party affiliation, it's the real deal. Fortunately for many people, the symptoms are mild or some people are asymptomatic, but if you are symptomatic, you know it's gotten a hold of you and knocked you back a bit. Well, I mean, there's no there's no doubt to serious people about this virus and the impact it's had. And all of us know someone who has dealt with it. And some people I've got friends here who've dealt with it, relatives who've dealt with it, people in business that have dealt with it. And they'll tell you it's nothing to mess around with. But, you know, to follow up on that, Jay, people are doubting what information they get because of the prism of politics. And I'm telling you, I think that's so destructive as we try to deal with this. So I agree completely. And, and the closer we march to Election Day, the more it will become a political football um, and the more it will become um, something that, that is going to be viewed, as you say, through that prism of, of people who are believing it's, it's in their best political interest to uh, consider uh, questioning everything that, that, that may be offered by the president or questioning everything that may be offered by Dr. Fauci or the CDC or whatever. P- people are lining up on, on the political side of this, it seems to me, unfortunately, better than, than uh, more so than on the, the reality side of, of this disease and how we can best fight it. What would you say, though, to businesses who take the position the decision to require masks should be mine? It should not be a mandate of government on any level, city, state, federal. It's my company. I'm not breaking any laws being in operation. I should choose whether someone should or shouldn't have to wear a mask if they come into my, in my, into my place of business. Well, there, there's certainly some validity to that argument. I can't tell you that there's not some basis where, where people have a right to, to, say just, to make just that argument. But when you look at the breadth and the scope of the pandemic and, and the fever pitch with which this virus is carried – um, and, and listen to the health officials who say masking is the only way or one of the major ways that we're going to prevent the spread of this, then it, it, it reaches into the realm of, of government having to make a decision for the, for the greater good of the population. And, and uh, I think that's being, for the most part, obviously that's being withheld, upheld by any courts who have called it into question or, or by a recognition of most people that, you, you know, we are our brother's keeper, and we ought to be doing this out of, out of concern and respect for uh, everyone else. But the people who aren't wearing 
masks are the ones who are who are transmitting these germs more so than people who are masked. I mean, that's just, uh, I think, a recognized fact. And and so in light of that, it, it, it makes sense to say we've got to do something to stop this spread, and we've got to do it by making it, by making everybody comply. The governor originally did not want to impose a, a mandate of masks. I didn't either. I didn't think it was a good idea at the outset because of the difficulty in enforcement. But as it became more and more apparent that, um, that particularly as we, we've reversed course on this and, and more information has come to light about masking and about what the health officials are saying, it, it became a, a decision that the governor obviously felt was in the best interest of the state, as have most, most governors, even most Republican governors who were reticent at the beginning have come around. And you see what's happened in Florida and Texas, which early on were, were kind of very lax in their, their view of what government's role was, and now they're, they're recognizing that they have to do exactly what this Democrat governor is doing in Louisiana. So what about the conversation or the communication between the governor and the White House? I know that uh, there was a report that the White House reached out to the governor's office about Louisiana needing to do more, and that led to the governor having a conversation with Mayor Broom about masks in East Baton Rouge Parish, and we have since seen that statewide. How has the line of communication between the governor's office, and the White House been since this started? It has been excellent, uh, and, and it was excellent from day one. Louisiana obviously was one of the early hotspots. If you recall, we were the fastest-growing uh, area in the world at one, one rel- thankfully, relatively brief point in, the, in early March or April, whenever it was, when this was really ramping up. Uh, but the governor has had a tremendous line of communication directly with the president, more frequently with the vice president, um, as well as Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, uh, the Admiral, everybody who you see on TV and who's been involved at the point of the spear here has had, a, has had contact with the governor. They call him, he calls them, uh, and, and the, the briefings that take place with the vice president on a weekly basis with all governors, um, but, but in addition, by virtue of the fact that you saw his visit to Baton Rouge, and Louisiana, he, they have had a great working relationship with this administration and been very supportive of the decisions this administration has made. And as you know, the governor has tried to follow as closely as practical and possible the guidelines that the White House and the CDC have set forth. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those unknown things here that the, the White House and the governor's office have been talking on a regular basis. And uh, politics aside, the elections last year aside, the governor and the president have a rather cordial relationship. They really do. And, 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 and that, that uh, came about immediately when this whole uh, pandemic started. I mean, it was, they, they talked early on and, and the, you know, the, the president knew what he had done and knew what the position he had taken, and the governor understood he's going to support his party's candidate and what have you. And, and fortunately, he, John Bell's the kind of guy who recognizes he needs to have a good relationship with the White House, and he's, he's um, not played politics on, on that. He's communicated with the White House. It's been very respectful, um, it, in, not only in the personal meetings, which I have not attended, but in phone conversations and another um, dialogue that I'm, that I'm aware of. So, you know, this this is a fluid situation and there's there's more conversation to have. I, I spoke with Shauna about sitting with the governor sometime in the in the next week or so to really talk to him directly about some of this. The other subject, the main major subject, I wanted to save that for the end because I wanted to talk about coronavirus first is your name is prominently 
mentioned with Louisiana's flagship university. And a lot of people are waiting to find out when is the party after you've been named the head of the university. Well, well, that's a, a, a very dangerous uh, supposition at this point in time. I mean, the, the Board of Supervisors has not even decided or talked about whether it's going to be one position or two positions. They've gotten a report from um, a consultant that laid out pros and cons, and that's really the first decision that's got to be made. Uh, and obviously, everything has kind of crawled to a halt as a result of the virus, and that's understandable. And I'm in, enjoying what I'm doing, and as, I've, as the only thing I've said about this job is if, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, and if I want what's best for LSU, and if at some point the determination is that, that it's for me to be involved there, that's the only other thing I'd consider doing. Right now I'm focused on everything I've got to do here with, uh, with the governor and with our economy and dealing with the pandemic and handling our budget matters and, and doling out the federal money that's come our way and that hopefully is going to continue to come our way. But come on, Jay, I've known you a long time. You really got to want that chair. I mean, who can blame you? You really got to want to do that job. Well, you've really got to want to do it if you're going to do it. That's right. You right. got to be passionate about, about doing it. I'm certainly passionate about the university, and I want, I want what's best for the university, and I, I want this to run its course. There's going to be a selection process, and there should be, and I don't know who all is going to be interested in this job, and we don't know if it's one or two jobs. And so there's just a lot of unanswered questions right now. But, but I've, I've tried to be candid with people about my response to this. I mean, I've, I've said basically it would be something I'm interested in, but i got to wait and see what, what the job is and engage the, the, the interest as to whether I'm the right person, the right kind of person for, uh, for this position. So if when when John Bell's term is over, obviously he can't run for reelection right away. Louisiana's different. He could skip a term and then run again. But I would think that would be different for you when this four year term is over. You're in the first of the the second first year of the second term. Are you done with politics? Well, I'm done with politics as a candidate. I've made that very clear. I'm, I'm not going to be running for office anymore. And I, and I don't I don't know what the future will hold in terms of what my role may be. Uh, I'll be interested in anything that's that's helpful to to Louisiana, of course. But I I don't intend to be running for anything. And when the, this administration's over, I'm I'll be uh, gosh, what will I be? I'll be in my late sixties, and and uh, I'm not sure what the future will hold at that point. We'll just wait and see. I, listen, I know you won't be sitting in some rocking chair someplace. So well, that's that's for sure. You're right about that. <laughs> so, I'm not interested in, in retiring or putting my feet up. No. Uh, uh, but I'm I'm very much enjoying what I'm doing, and and as long as you're enjoying what you're doing and getting up every day excited about what what brings you to work, then um, you ought to keep working. Well, listen, you know, my fingers are crossed for you at the university, and I appreciate it. You were the first guest I had on this show and one of the first people I told I wanted to do it, and we've been good friends a long time, and, and, and you know, I couldn't imagine starting this one, which is a really important milestone to me to hit 250 and, and doing these without, without you being a part of it, so I appreciate well, I'm, it. Man. I'm grateful for that, and I've enjoyed every, every milestone you've hit, and I know you're going to hit some more, and, and congratulations again on, on the success of these, these podcasts as well as everything else you got your fingers in. Ladies and gentlemen, the Commissioner of Administration for the great state of Louisiana, Jay Darden. The only interactive podcast in the capital city that lets you help solve a crime. There was a shooting. Okay, is someone shot? Yes, someone is shot. The Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young. Just some suspicious people running through the parking lot before. Real stories. It was my first love. Real crimes. Real people. Real justice. (laughs) The Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young. 
exclusively at podcast225.com. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. You're listening to the 250th episode of The Clay Young Show. Back with Dr. Bo Clark, who is coroner for East Baton Rouge Parish. He has been an ER doctor. He's been a member of the SWAT team. He's a military veteran. He's an all-around good guy. Not, Not a military veteran. Not a military veteran. Not a military no, no, veteran? No, 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 just law enforcement. Just law enforcement. Yes. Okay, well, there you go. You know a lot of, we have a lot of mutual friends who are in the military. You knew Chris Kyle personally, yep. and we were just talking about Nick with, formerly with Special Ops Survivors, and yeah. uh, always thought you, always thought you were. I guess it just, it was an assumption. No, it's, well, when you do all the SWAT stuff that we did, yeah. uh, obviously we interact with uh, a lot of the military guys uh, quite often because the the overlap that it tends to occur with training and whatnot. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's interesting we were just talking a little bit about that, and, and right now, and maybe we'll get to that in the back end, the climate that, that's going on with law enforcement right now is, is so crazy. When you talk to friends who are, who are currently still in it, what's the sentiment right now? Well, a lot of them, I think, are very uh, uh, uncertain because they, um, you know, they don't really know how to, to react, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they want to go out and do a good job. Uh, you know, certainly... Uh, it's it's evident there are bad police officers out there, but you know, there are bad doctors out there. There yep. are bad attorneys out right. there. Right. Uh, and you know, certainly we look to each community to police its own. Uh, but I think for the most part, people that get into law enforcement, I mean, they have a they have a uh, a longing and an urging and a calling mm-hmm. uh, to to do the job. Yeah. And if we res- if we if we restrain them or handcuff them from doing uh, what is appropriate, then uh, then we have chaos, and uh, that's what we're seeing we in America. And I think that the, the the crazy thing is with both sides in the aftermath of what happened to George Floyd, and you and I talked about that, that no person I know endorses in any way what that man did to George Floyd, nor would any police officer say that they have been taught to do what he did. Correct. I mean, George Floyd was murdered, and we saw it on television. No question. It's as simple as that. No question. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, it's it's sad that uh, the direction that took, because mm-hmm. I think uh, there was an opportunity to really do something positive, right? Uh, and and now it's just gone off the rails. It really has. And and speaking of going off the rails, where we are now with COVID nineteen, and this has been the weirdest year in so many ways, man. And and this has been at the center of it, this virus, this novel virus that no one seems to have a, a clear understanding of what it is and and what it's doing. So you're a medical doctor, your impression of COVID-19, what it is and what it isn't. So 
Yeah, you can either look at it in terms of science okay. or science fiction, one way or the other. I prefer the science. I route, prefer so, the science okay. too, honestly. Right. Um, so you know, a lot of, there's a lot of information out there. There's a tremendous amount of misinformation out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not believe we did anything wrong at the very beginning of this. We had a novel virus, a new virus. We didn't know anything about it. Yeah, uh, it could have certainly reacted much differently than viruses that we're very accustomed to, like influenza. Right. Another example would be adenovirus or rhinovirus. Those cause the common cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was right to be cautious at the beginning. It was right to quarantine. It was right to be concerned. Uh, but now we're, we're, we're four to five months post that uh, uh, beginning of that event. Yeah. And we look back and we say, well, you know, we've learned a lot. And believe it or not, COVID-19 or coronavirus acts a lot like all the other viruses we know about. That's right. And and so that's now it's now a safe presumption to say that, well, if it acts like the other viruses, we should treat it like the other viruses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. We have a flu season every year, <laughs> and we don't go into quarantine for it. No. We don't all wear masks everywhere we go. Right. So this really is not that different. Um, I was crunching some numbers today, and obviously, um, as a physician, uh, and a practicing physician. I mean, I'm practicing emergency medicine for 20 years. Even when I became the coroner eight years ago, I continued my practice, obviously on a much smaller scale because sure. the coroner's job is full time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I look at both the, the, the living side of this as well as the death side. But let's talk about the death side real quick. We've had uh, 290 people tragically lose their life yeah. uh, to this infection. That's no different than the folks that have lost their life to heart attacks, strokes, um, right. people that have lost their lives to other infectious diseases. What did we learn from it? Well, the average age of the person who dies is 76. Right. Um, and so you put that on the scale of things. You know what the average uh, lifespan of, of a United States citizen is? 78. <laughs> okay. So you're almost right there in relative terms. Right. So, uh, and, and granted, we all, including myself, wish that we could live forever or mm-hmm. live to be 100 or whatever the, the magic number is, but it's just not, we're just not set up that right, way. Right, right. So having said that, um, when you look at the, the, the life part of this, the infection part of this, but you also look at the death part of this, I crunched some numbers this morning. We've had 290 deaths in the parish, roughly. Mm-hmm. The parish is the largest, East Baton Rouge, largest parish in the state, 450,000 people. Yeah. You do the math there, that's 0.06%. That's the death rate. Yeah. So I said, well, I wonder what it would take for us to get to 1%. How do we go from 0.06 to mm-hmm. 1%? It's actually, we have to get to 5,000 deaths. It's a 17-fold increase in deaths. Yeah, yeah. And I think that would be very difficult to do. I don't think it, it would happen. I think what would, you know, we were still going to see numbers trickle in uh, that people that die from it, we had, we've had them in the last couple of days, a few here, a few there. Um, but to get 17-fold increase to get to 1%, I think is, 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 is it, 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 by that point, everybody will have had it. And either, and the small percentage will have succumbed to it but the most people would have survived it. So this is interesting. The, the we've seen recently that Louisiana is considered the second most "quote unquote" hot spot state in America, only second to New York. And the city of New York is twice the size of Louisiana. Right. And they're talking about the spread and the spike. To what do you contribute? these spiked numbers well uh, it has to do really kind of with testing and the way we've approached testing and what's interesting about that is now we just offer tests to everybody yeah and nowhere in medicine is that ever the case Mm -hmm. Um, um, i've said this before and i'll say it here we test you medically for two reasons okay one has to do with preventative medicine 
okay. common example. Over the age of 50, you should get a colonoscopy because if we discover colon cancer at an early stage, you have a greater increase, an increased chance of surviving it, being treated and surviving it. Right. That makes sense. Right. You should order that test. Right. On the flip side to that is we order a test based on symptomatology. Right. You have chest pain, probably should get an EKG to check that out. Right. Okay. Nowhere in medicine do we just order a test because it's a Tuesday. Right. Right. Nowhere do we go, okay, well, why don't you go get your COVID test today? And not only today, do it in the morning, do it in the afternoon, right. and let's do it twice a week for the every day this week. Right. right I mean, right. you know, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think that's what we're doing. Um, as opposed to what would be a better testing strategy would to say, well, first of all, do you have symptoms? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have the common symptoms being fever, cough, shortness of breath? Right. I'd even include whether you've lost your, your taste or your or smell, which are probably unique symptoms to coronavirus. Right. Uh, and then maybe you should get tested. But even those people maybe don't need to be tested because what I would tell you is, is if you meet those criteria, you probably have coronavirus. Yeah. And if you're in a healthy group, meaning you don't have any comorbidities, guess what's yeah. going to happen? You're going to get the virus. Your body's going to create a defense through its immune system. You'll survive the virus, and all of a sudden, you get better. You, you were one of the first people I heard talk about being a carrier of the virus this was, I mean, this was a couple of months ago. We, we, you were on the show and we talked about that being a carrier of the virus, not really showing any symptoms that would trigger to you that you even have it, but you may be spreading it. Could you revisit that again? Right. So, so in virology, we know that there's something called the asymptomatic carrier state. It exists with most viruses. Yeah. There's no reason to believe that that doesn't exist with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. However, um, it's a scary name to people because a yeah. carrier sounds like a, you know it's espionage, yeah. it's secret, yeah. it's invisible. Right. Um, but understand that uh, in a in a carrier state, what we've really determined with coronavirus is that you're not contagious unless you're symptomatic. Right. Meaning, if you don't have fever, cough, or congestion, then you're not spreading the disease. Right. Uh, and that also plays a significant role when we look at testing, mm-hmm. because a lot of people will go get a test done after they've had the uh the virus they've had the symptoms yeah they're no longer symptomatic and they get tested yeah and they find out they're still positive and then they go well what does that mean well it really doesn't mean anything because if we base symptomatology contagiousness on symptomatology once you're no longer symptomatic you're no longer contagious however your test could continue to be positive because there's some shedding of the virus that occurs that is picked up by the test that we conduct so all of the rampant testing that's happening, let's say you, you feel fine, you don't have any symptoms of it, and you get tested, you're good. Correct. And then you don't get tested again. Yeah. But you may have it and not have any symptoms. Right. I mean, I, I'd like you to really drill down on the multiplicity of tests that people are getting. And, and you talked about it earlier about how we, you know, we have a flu season and people don't get tested all the time. Does that give people a false sense of security? It does. It does on both sides. Because, so for example, if you told me right now as we're speaking that you're asymptomatic, mm-hmm. you don't have any symptoms, and you went and had a test done yesterday and it came back positive, and you're okay. like, Doc, what does that mean? Yeah. I would look at you and say, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I don't. Because um, you're not symptomatic, so mm-hmm. you're not contagious. I can tell you that. Right. But why are you positive? Well, is it because it's a false positive, meaning the test didn't correctly accurately uh find coronavirus or is it that you had coronavirus and you're now in an asymptomatic mode and you're shedding it which Mm -hmm. and you're not contagious 
So really, what's the validity of the test at that point? It's not. There's no valid. There's no valid reason to be tested at that point. Why is it now we're seeing spikes in number of young numbers of young people who have it versus say second quarter this year when the, the the percentage of children who had it was much lower? So I think it has to do with two things. Number one, if they truly have it, it's because they've now uh, limited their social distancing, right? right? I mean, everybody finally said, well, summer's here, I'm going to the beach, and now mm-hmm. we're, we're communing together and we're doing the things, whereas uh, in March and April, we, you know, we, we left school and we went virtual, you know, and those sort of things help. So yeah. if it's true cases, that's why you're seeing that. But it also may be false cases, and what I mean by false cases is that People are just getting tested for no reason at all, right? right? And they're getting a positive result that we don't know quite what the answer, right. why that positive result is there. And so, uh, and it's become so readily available. Uh, and, and and so there's another interesting phenomenon that, that was outlined just uh, yesterday by the State Board of Medical Examiners that says, you start having symptoms and you go get tested and they swab your nose. And then four days later, you're asymptomatic because the symptoms went away. And then three days after that, you get your test results back that say they're positive. Hmm. What does that mean, right? You start thinking to yourself, well, well, I was positive, but now I'm better, right? So, mm-hmm. But I still have this lingering, uh, almost like a scarlet letter uh, <laughs> test, po- positive test result, right? right? right. And so it just creates a, a mound of confusion. Uh, and I think really uh, we should concentrate really only on testing people uh, that are symptomatic right. and people that are really symptomatic to the point that they require uh, hospitalization, like you're really sick, right? So, and, and this is the thing that, that is so important to talk about because you are a medical doctor and you are both a practitioner of science in keeping people alive, but you are also someone, because you are the parish coroner, who deals with people after they have died. Yes. And you see both ends of that spectrum. And so your perspective here is most credible versus, say, politicians in places. Having said that, we're not being political here. We're just dealing with the science. Well, and can I add? Sure. Coronavirus is not political either. No, right? it's not. Because it's a virus. It's That's not, right. Viruses are not smart things. Right. They're actually, they, they need a human to survive. Right. They don't care what the human is, so it's a, mm-hmm. so they're apolitical, right? It's not like they're going around looking for a particular party. Right. They're not looking for a particular race. They're no. not looking for a particular gender. That's right. uh, or if you're rich or poor, yeah. it doesn't matter. You know. So right. that leads me to, so I could chase that rabbit, but I'm not. I'm going to go to where I was going, and then I'll come back to that. Masks. Let me say before I get into it, if I go to a place and they require a mask, no problem. I'm wearing my mask. Okay, and that's most places now. I'm not going to go and be one of those guys. Just it's it's annoying, but you do it. But there is question one way or the other about the masks and their their value and how this thing is spread and contracted and all of that. Could you speak to that? Yeah. So uh, can a mask prevent the spread of a respiratory illness? The answer is yes, it can. Mm -hmm. Um, However, if you don't have a respiratory illness and I don't have a respiratory illness, what's really the point? Why we wear masks, right? right? Um, so there becomes this huge trust factor. So if you find yourself in an environment where you can't trust the people you're around, and what I mean by that is that you're, uh, you're, it, it's public, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't know the people you're around. Right. Then you need to understand how you take precautions. How do you take precautions? You protect yourself by either social distancing or if you've got to get close to somebody, wear a mask. Right. And that's pretty common sense. Right. That's really no different than if you had the flu, common cold, anything okay so 
But if you're in an environment we trust people, I mean, I don't wear my mask at home around my family no. because I would know if yes. somebody was sick, right? Yes. So having said that, um, that I think you just have to take some lo- just some logic here. Mm-hmm. I mean, just logical approach. Um, if a business require or asked me to wear a mask, I would do. If I wanted sure. to use the business, yeah, then I right. would that's, do so respectfully. There you go. It's as simple as that. That's where I'm. Um, but uh, I, I don't want people to. It's it's a bit of a, you know, you you get this sense that maybe you're completely safe from coronavirus by wearing these masks. Don't think that. So that's the thing that, and I, let's let's drill he- more heavily into that. Now, you didn't just say for people listening that. You, you are saying, don't wear a mask. You didn't just say that. Yeah, yeah. But what you did say is wearing one doesn't exactly inoculate you from ever contracting the virus. Right. So even on the fundamental basis, if you look at the people's masks that they're wearing, because yeah. everybody's selling these different yeah. masks, you know, a facial Which cover. I thought about starting a mask company. Well, you can start a mask company. Know, you, just, can, uh, you can. You yeah. can. You can. Maybe we do it together. That's, that's yeah. it. That's it. So the uh, <laughs> the the... The real true mask is the N95 mask, which blocks out the smallest particles right. and all the science that's behind all that. And I can tell you from a medical perspective, when I'm practicing in the emergency room, I will wear a mask because the person I'm about to interact with sure. is unknown to sure, me. Sure, sure. But I know before I interact with them whether they're there for respiratory symptoms right. or non-respiratory symptoms. So if they're there for respiratory symptoms, I suit up. But I suit up. Big time. I mean, I got an N95 mask yeah. and a gown and all these yeah. things because the presumption is, is 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 it's COVID. On the other hand, if you're there for an ankle sprain, I just wear a mask over my face because you might have forgot to tell me it's not only an ankle sprain, but I got congestion mm. too, right? So I just want to create that kind of uh, uh, barrier in an unknown environment. But really, if you want to say we should, if we're going to truly mask up and truly do it, like, you know, 100%, yeah. everybody should have N95 masks in the in the, the full court press to you really... that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's no. not going to happen. No. So, you know, it's, it, it, we, the, the messaging about it because if you see what's on, and I know you don't do a lot with social media, if you see what's on it, when anything, when anything becomes political, it ceases to have the ability to touch everybody because now it's this versus that. And I've got, you know, they shut down the bars and some of the watering holes. And, you know, I, my feeling is <laughs> you you close bars, but you leave restaurants with bars open. And I don't know how that... Or, or even casinos. Or casinos, I mean, right? that's like bars with playing cards that's exactly right and you know you you got uh, some grandmom sitting at the one-armed bandit yanking down on it with one hand and puffing on a heater with the other and it's like okay when you from your perspective what's effective covid precautionary activity what's effective so i simply say apply logic okay? okay so uh keep your mask in your pocket yep uh, and if you can social distance, you should, right? I right. mean, nobody likes anybody to be in the space. Yeah. Um, but if you find yourself in an environment where you can't protect yourself and it's an unknown environment, mm-hmm. slap your mask on. Um, because it's the only thing you have. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and then, and then evacuate the environment when you, when you can or if you can, right? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's certainly, we've all been walking down the aisle at the grocery store and thought, you know what, I, I can wait a few minutes for that person to get their item, step sure. away, and then I get my item. Sure. We take a few seconds to sure. do that. Um, so do those things when you can. Sometimes you can't, so you need <laughs> to have it ready and available. All right. Uh, by the way, shout out to Leslie out there. I know you're listening, Leslie. It's been a, hadn't seen her in a little while. She's, she's 
boy, you want to talk about a fire you don't want to mess with. Uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Did we leave anything out? No, I think we got it all. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, I've been putting out uh, press releases through the East Baton Rouge Parish uh, Corners Office. How can people follow uh, that? Facebook page. Okay. Uh, as well as our uh, website, which is ebrcorner.com. Uh, and we, you know, we, we kind of report on the, the, the death side of this uh, and look at the, the metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also important to remember, and I think the listeners should remember, we're talking about people's lives here. Yep. And so it's so easy for me to come on a podcast or a radio show or a television show and talk data, data, data. Mm-hmm. But remember, there's a family, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and sometimes an untimely death. So uh, we keep that in mind uh, through thoughts and prayers. But, um, but nonetheless, I think uh, we, let's rely. The message is let's talk about science, not yeah. science fiction. Not science fiction. Dr. Bo Clark. Thank you, brother. Thank you. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Here we go. This is the Clay Young Show. Back with Gordy Rush, general manager of Guarantee Media here in Baton Rouge. He is a graduate of LSU, former member of the LSU football team, and the sideline reporter who I'm sure now has a custom-built hazmat suit that I do. he's going to wear. So, you know, that's what. I'm, let me first get the obligatory question. Yeah, How yeah, are yeah. you? How are you? you I'm doing, doing well? great. Thanks for having me. Congrats on the new the new office and new setup. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I, I love this right, part of the time, woods, first, right? First time you've been out here. Huh? I mean, you know, I've been across to my man Ruffin and Rafino. Yes, yes. He's he, around the corner. You know, he has these private concerts where he's breaking new albums, and <laughs> yes. he wants me to come out here and hear him sing a little bit. I need to come right across the... Oh, man. You, you didn't hear O Child? No, it's just it, okay. Ruffin swears there is Sinatra buried somewhere deep inside there, of him. There's, there's, there's no, there's no doubt. There's <laughs> so, no doubt. Well, good to have you here. Episode two fifty, man. I love it. Special. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for having me, man. Big deal. And here's the question: Everyone wants Gordy to answer. Okay. Will there be football this year? I, I as of we sit today, I believe so. Okay. And and if you said, okay, Gordy, what's your best prediction? I think the NFL plays with limited to no people mm-hmm. in the stands. Uh, I think college plays with a, a delayed starts, okay. a delayed start, a condensed schedule, and, and limited, you know, as many people as they'll put in the stadium. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I come from the business side of it. I, yeah. I think high school youth football certainly has a bigger challenge. Okay. So let's let's delve into those separately, sure. starting first with what you said about football, that there will be a season – First, let's deal with the reduced schedule. What does that look like? So we're like? talking about college, you know. So yes. if if you start in, you know, you start in late September, early October, and you look particularly look at LSU's schedule, and, and I think the question mark games that you have are, you know, the the Texas San Antonio, okay. the, the Rice game, yeah, and, and the Nickel State game. We've seen a number of one AA conferences, the mm-hmm. SWAC, the MEAC, the, mm-hmm. the Colonial, the Patriot, all stop and play. And from a business standpoint. Um, once the Pac-10 and the Big Ten said, we're not going to play non-conference games. Okay. 
if you pull out a game uh, for, say, James Madison, where they're playing Ohio State and they're getting a payday of $2 million, that's that's basically their athletic budget. So okay. business-wise, yeah. right? The business-wise, it, it doesn't make sense for them to play. Let's go play in the spring or let's do something, right, okay. with that. And, and so I, I think the main driver, one of them in college football, is going to be television. Right. Right? And, and so specifically... When you look at Disney, who owns ESPN and ABC, whose right. stock usually is at, at one fifty-seven, it was at one eighteen this morning, and it bottomed out at seventy-nine. I heard you say that when we were when we were talking earlier, it because I, I you know hadn't been it didn't pay attention to Disney bottomed out at seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. All the parks were shut down. All the parks were shut down, and you know they've been dependent on look what ESPN. You know ESPN went and pulled out the Jordan. The series, which obviously That's right. was a lifesaver, That's, right? So that would make right. sense as to why they would bump that up. And I'm, it was a lifesaver for them. They got two months out of it. Well, no doubt. And, you know, even the, the original programming that they've been able to bring forward with the, you know, the, the, the McGuire-Sosa series that mm-hmm. didn't do quite as well, the Lance Armstrong series. So if I'm Disney and I'm ESPN, and I'm obviously tied into the SEC, I'm tied into the ACC, I have the ACC network, I have the Texas Longhorn mm-hmm. network. Right. And, I have a little bit of a share with Fox with, with the Big 12, but the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, um, all are, are, are affiliated with ESPN and have mm-hmm. not come out and say we're not playing non-conference games. You know, the business model for me, at least this is my two cents, if I was ESPN, I would be looking for matchups. I would be looking for primetime games in which schools would be looking to make up some revenue. And instead of playing, I hate putting the LSU Nichols in, in that boat, but let's, you know, it, instead of Virginia Tech playing James Madison, mm-hmm. okay, Virginia Tech, how about James Madison's not going to play or this is going to go away? How about we find you a partner, perhaps somebody in the SEC like Alabama that has lost the game against USC because right. the Pac 12 is not going to play non conference game. Right. And we'll give each one of you schools five, six million dollars for a Friday night game. Right primetime television and I think what a lot of people in the states haven't realized is what European soccer has done and Talk I'm, I'm about a big a soccer bit. fan yeah. so European soccer Germany was the first to go back the Bundesliga and then the Premier League and all the other leagues because obviously they went through the virus earlier but what they did was basically nobody in the stands and they went to their TV partners. In the case of England, it's Sky, you know the English league. It's Sky News. Okay. And typically, soccer plays Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But there's some feature games like the NFL, and, mm-hmm. and then there's just regional coverage, right? If you're Cincinnati Bengals, you're only going to get it in Cincinnati. And what they Poor did, there. what they did is that they turned around and redid the TV schedule so that there was a game every night okay like today it's wednesday you have two monster lineups right they're getting towards the end of it you've got chelsea uh chelsea's playing liverpool man united is playing west ham a london-based team it's wednesday night doubleheader Mm -hmm. and that never happens rarely happens unless it's during the holidays in the premier league and so with television that lost all these games went back had to go back and sit down with soccer leagues and say okay wow it's a golden opportunity and when you look at the Bundesliga, they had seventy-eight percent increase in mm-hmm. ratings. Mm-hmm. And, it's and, interesting, and, so, yeah. and I've seen the stands are pretty sparse. At, you know, with 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 people there, right? Right. They have. No, I mean, they don't. Well, I mean, nobody. Well, it seems. Right. Well, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, maybe there's staffers or somebody in there. I mean, three hundred people. In yeah, there. you'll yeah, see yeah, a few yeah. people in there, but uh, it, and it's it's huge. But and you're right. So 
having this conversation with Doug Morrow a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he wasn't sure and about the information you, well, he didn't have the information you have now, but we were talking about, say, allowing in a quarter of Tiger Stadium's capacity. And my thought was, man, the other 75% are going to burn Baton Rouge down. So how do you choose yeah, which 25% is the 25% you let in? You know, Scott Woodward and Stephanie Remp, they've done a, a fantastic job since right. her, uh, arriving in Baton Rouge. And Verge, too. But I'm mm-hmm. not going to put Verge in there because... My man, Verge. Verge will be like, Gordy, I, I have nothing to do with the tickets. Because <laughs> Verge, Verge will get all the text messages, right? So I'm going to keep... But anyway, obviously, Verge is a senior athletic AD yeah. out there. You know, look, I, I don't know how you, you do the ticket thing, but yeah. but let's if we looked at LSU, I'm going to take a stab at these numbers. Sure. The last one I saw from Ross Dellinger, maybe in 2017, 56 million was the revenue generated from football. Let's say it's up to 60, 65, okay. right? Uh, somewhere in that ballpark. You have the I think TV is the biggest piece of that contract because yep. we all know what you get from the SEC. Yep. You have tickets that maybe it's 20, 20, somewhere in that 20%, 20-25%, all the things that are going with that. Also a big player in, in which you have, there's the, the their multimedia rights contract. Mm-hmm. And, and so from a business standpoint, I want to play football to fire off that TV contract. Yep. And I've got to, if I don't play, I don't, what's the conversation with my multimedia guys, right? right? And so, but you trigger both of those going. And then you look at tickets mm. and can you, you know, and, and that's a question mark. Can you get a portion? Can you get 25% in? Can you get a percent of what do you do indoors where your suite and your uh, stadium club tickets are your highest priced items with mm-hmm. the big TAF fund? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have the answer for that. And, I, you know, I don't know how much is going to be, how much of that is under their control. But going back to the, the Premier League, right, the, the TV, check. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play. I'm right. going to find a way to play, right. keep everybody safe, make sure I get the TV money. Sure. And then if, uh, you know, and then I think the multimedia rights, if you have football, then obviously, you know, you look at somebody like me that has the, the flagship for the radio. I just right. want to play. Right, right. The less people right. in the stadium, more people are going to listen. That's ex- well, right? And I don't want to, I don't want to no, tick no. off every LSU fan, but that's a business but side. That's, of it. that's brilliant because I think that's the truth. Now, there's a question about all of this I want to ask, but first I want to talk about the NFL because we've talked about high school, right. which is one level, college, which, which is, of course, another level. But then you've got the pros where everyone out there is, is a paid adult. Right. Okay. And I consider a credential adult if you're in the nfl you got the credentials of being a professional football player billions and billions in television money right they could play with no one in the arena and still make a profit this year because ad revenue is going to be at a premium because when it comes on fewer people can go more people will be watching and the access to it will be great we already know there's going to be nfl football that cat's out of the bag right they're working through the machinations of what that will look like. What do you know about that? Well, you know, obviously preseason is, is going to be a delayed start. And, and do they have do they have a delayed start yeah. and, and push that thing back? But again, TV, you know, it's like Premier League. Mm-hmm. TV is so, so much the, the driver in that. And they can afford, unlike some of these colleges, to, to go without fans. Yeah. Right? They yeah. can go ahead and get through with that. And I think you, the way you make it up, and it's not going to be popular to players, and you got to go through the NFLPA. Come back to Premier League. Can I get a Thursday night game? Can I get a Friday night game? If college doesn't start on time, mm-hmm. then think December, what we see in late December in the NFL after college. Mm. You get NFL triple header on Saturday. 
right? Instead of, and, and so if I'm Fox or I'm, you know, I'm CBS or whoever's NBC, whoever's got the, the multimedia, you know, who's got the TV and it's a, you know, it's a complex package. It, it, what, what's been proven that Cincinnati Bengals against the, the you know, Cleveland Browns, right. it's Saturday at three o'clock is going to be much, you know, is much more revenue, higher ratings than anything else. And, and that's the same thing as the Premier League. Anytime in, you know, primetime, NFL wants to own that space because right. there's nothing else that's going to be competing them. And so I think that, that that's sort of what you see going on the question is you, you've got the the pro players who you know are ha, what's it going to look like if you play on a wednesday and have to come back and uh, you know or play on a sunday and come back and play on thursday they're already griping about that and if they change the schedule so i think that that space i think the the nfl tv will take the void where other things are missing so the nf the nba when this whole thing started LeBron and guys like that were grandstanding about, well, if there are no people in the arena, I'm not going to play. And right. I, I remembered telling one of my sons, yeah, going to regret saying that because if this thing trends the way it's going, you're going to want to get back in the, in the gym as, as quickly as possible. The NFL has, has been a little different, but now you're starting to hear from players yep. who are questioning whether or not they should play. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think at the, at the end of the day, um, the, you're going to have a couple of people that, that – I, I think sit out that it can afford to sit out, but um, hell, most of them can afford to sit yeah, out. But by and large, you know, there's going to be a, I think enough people that want to play, and, and ultimately the competitor is going to come out in you, mm-hmm. and you're going to want to go. I, I think the, the best little sample that we have of this right now is the MLS. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. it's going now. The MLS is playing basically a round robin, so you get three guaranteed games, and then it becomes a you know, it's a, it's a, it's postseason play. Yeah. It's a really a modified schedule. Yeah. And you had a handful of people, right, that have sat out. You know, one of the star players, they just had a child, right, a newborn. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he's one of their designated players, and he absolutely can afford to sit out. And it's not, a, you know, it's not the length of the NBA schedule. It's not the full postseason right. on all the above. And I it, don't know why they're doing this. Their yeah. new season starts in October, so why cram this season into six weeks or whatever when you're going to turn right around? TV. TV, come on, Young, you got to. Yes, you're absolutely I mean, right. This, yeah. Look, yeah. what's I mean, look at the, yeah. you know, who's been the, and, and, and which is a fascinating discussion. We, we could do another time, but you know, TV consumption and how much over the top has gone, right? Let's talk about I that. I mean, over the top has just, whoo, I mean, is absolutely gone to the roof. Tell people what over the top is. So it's it's connected television, yeah. And, and so you have your your. You know, obviously, you have your broadcast television, right. the, the networks and what have you, but also some of the, you know, that meaning the, the local stations, right? right. The traditional. And then you, you've got people now like ESPN that not only are, are they a cable network, mm-hmm. but they're, they're, they're competing in the connected space with yep. ESPN Plus. They have the app. Right. And, and you, know, they'll, I see, you know, I get a chance to see monthly stats. They, mm-hmm. for instance, have Syria. Right, which nobody—that's Italian soccer. Right, Ronaldo's at uh, Juventus and what, what have you. Their numbers—you're talking about 200 percent uh, growth mm. in all those streaming numbers, and and it's all through the roof. So, I, you know, I think the I think all the networks. When you come back to the discussion about NBA and NFL, you know, they're fighting, yeah, because the, there's so much more when you get home, yeah, yeah. right, and people want to watch it. People want to watch what they want to watch when they want to watch it, uh, and, and and so it, it shifted a little bit. However, that the one thing that is still one of the reasons, at least for broadcast television, is live sports. Yeah, 
And and so that to me, that's the demand for the NBA. Why you're playing NBA? Right. Look, ML, MLS has never had higher ratings. They had a doubleheader on Saturday night in July, and that don't happen because they're getting bumped from Major League Baseball. So they, in a very, they went ahead and started about three weeks before Major League Baseball and took the TV money. Well, this so I, I referenced earlier a question I wanted to ask after talking about the NFL and throwing this at you because you you are uniquely qualified to answer. Uh, both as a as an athlete, someone who has played college ball, as someone who is who in their professional life runs a media operation, mm-hmm. and someone who is also a husband and father. Yes. If we don't have sports this fall, I am concerned about not only the morale, and some people may think this is a ridiculous question. I think you'll get it. The morale of where the country is. And the outpouring of frustration, because I think the country needs a distraction. Am they, I wrong? They do, yeah. And, and and so coming from, let's talk about the dad side of things, right? Okay. And that I've been blessed that, that we've, uh, you know, we, I found that there's a guy, Keith Ballard, who has tra- trained youth athletes for, for years now, mm-hmm. played at Carver High School in New Orleans, a little bit older, Marshall Falk, and, and we've become great friends. And we just found a field over at Park Forest Middle School. Mm-hmm. Ironically, across the street from Mayor Sharon Weston Broom. And I'm showing up Saturday morning for workouts and before phase one. And she's going to work. I'm, nothing to see here. We're good. We're good, baby, as we're dropping the ladder. And, and But, uh, you know, and, I mean, I love Sharon. She's wonderful. And, and so, um, But can, can I tell you that when I remember this, the, this pandemic, one of the things I'll remember is how close I became with my son. And we mm. did that four times a week. Yeah. And Saturday mornings, we would go and work out and play flag football and how therapeutic it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Conversely, where my wife, who, who, who doesn't work and has stayed at home, and, and uh, we got to the end of my daughter's baseball season, and typically we would go outside and at and, and evening and just talk and, yeah. and unwind and she looked at me and, and was having a breakdown and she said I need vacations I need vacations now <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And one of those discussions did she want you to go with him or not <laughs> well I couldn't go yeah I think she wanted me I, she knew that I couldn't go until LSU plays their hand and all right. the above right um, so she's gone without me and plus mother-in-law's gone so that ruled me out okay. there's no way in hell I was going with, with mother-in-law but um, you keep that up okay oh gosh me and my, my the Thank God for Wheatley Vodka. It's gotten me through pandemic. I posted on Facebook, at what point, at what phases your mother-in-law stopped coming to your house? Because I, I, I didn't get that ruling at some point. But, you know, I think what happened is I think people are a lot where my wife is. And, and it's something that it, the grind is so much and, and yeah. working from home and, and what have you. And, what, what, yeah, I think it's a needed something to grasp. Right. Right. I mean, there's only so many times you're going to go do the Netflix. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I've tuned out every I I can't watch the news networks. I've tuned out all the above and and, and so forth. And and so, yeah, I think for something to grab hold on that's different or a little bit close to normal. Right. Is um, is going to be very welcome. Drew Brees. Mm -hmm. A a couple of several weeks back. Stepped into the national spotlight with his comment about mm-hmm. kneeling, yeah. and he gave his perspective. And I said on this show that agree or disagree with him, he gave his perspective. 
And I also said, I, the thing, I don't mind people disagreeing with him because everyone's got the right to their own opinion. Where I was so bothered was the narrative about him being racist and people talking about him like he's a bigot. And that pissed me off pretty good because I'm thinking, why have we just ignored actions a lifetime of actions on the part of this man and his family right. to leap to this because it's something you disagree with largely by many people who didn't even hear the whole friggin' quote. That's right. And, and you know, him, and, and obviously you've done work with the yep. saints and, and your, your, your company carries saints games here locally. And I, I say, I say that to set up this question about the inflammatory nature of the public now on social with any and everything and how toxic it makes it. How do you get your people to navigate that? Because you've got on-air talent, one of Richard, Richard Condon. Yeah. And how do you get them to navigate through this? Well, you know, let's, let's, let's go back, especially, you know, with the issues that, that we've had here in, in 2020. Yeah. You know, I, we, we, we have people that have been on all sides of it, and I've encouraged people to, um, number one, I, I think you've got to find your voice, mm-hmm. and it's not a, it's not a time to, to not be authentic. That's right. Right? And, and the biggest part, and, and one of the things, especially for radio, and one of the mm-hmm. challenges we've had is less traffic on the road, Right, is that, that you know, unlike a lot of radio companies and, and being locally owned, we've been able to do that. I want you in the studio. Mm-hmm. I want you on the social, yeah. engaging with people. Yeah. Our, you know, our ESPN, we have now six, six hours of statewide TV with CST, with, yeah. with Hester and, and what have you. And I think that you've got to be there. You have to be real. You have to be authentic. Um, you know, what I tell my people is trolls are going to be trolls. <laughs> Nobody's a bigger troll than I am. Right. <laughs> so um, in, in don't buy into the trolls. Yeah. Right. And, and so if you're going to step into that pond, realize that, that there are going to be trolls circling and, and how you handle it. But I, I'm with you 100 percent. And I mean, the problem I have with the breeze the interview, you know, obviously the timing couldn't have been worse. And it was for, a for Yahoo Finance interview. Yeah. What do you, I mean, like, what, why would he ask that question? And, and, it, but that's the pro- problem. And, and with, with some of, there's some of the, that out there. It, it's a clickbait thing. Oh, yeah. And so Yahoo Finance, you know, who, who's obviously got him on for, for mm-hmm. a different reason. Set him up really good. That's, that's what they're going to push out. Yeah. And that's what they're going to get with clicks. And that's yeah. crap. And, yeah. and, and so... You know, and that, and that's unfortunate. That's an unfortunate piece of that. Do you think having been in a locker room when you hear teammates and prominent teammates, Michael Thomas and others, go so harsh at Drew? How does that affect you, man to man? You're looking across the locker room, and he's he's remorseful. Right. He's apologized at least 130 times, and now you got to go out there, suit up, and go to quote unquote war with your brothers and 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 your you know team colors. But are you thinking, man? I can't believe you called me a bigot or man, I can't believe you said that. How do you overcome that? So I, I think that, that I will tell you in, in, you know, 30 years removed, is that about right? From, 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 you know, college football, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and the, so those relationships that you have last a lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I could go through a lot of stories, a lot of, you know, a lot of players that, you know, I've played with that, that we're going through life changing events, sure. right? Sure. And, and so I, I think my opinion on it is even the, the pro level, right? Even with the, you know, trades and, and, and this isn't a college for you program, but you do have relationships. You know, I, I think what, what hopefully comes out of it is a chance to get everybody in the same room and have healthy dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what social media unfortunately does not do. That's what, you know, what our, our world, the media, some right. of the world is what, what, you know, 
I will get off on a tangent, if you will, and um, somewhere in the middle is where we need to be. And how do we get the healthy conversation? Yeah. Right. Instead, everybody's screaming at each other and all the above. And, you know, you know, politics, I'm to the point. I don't want to hear Trump speak. I don't want to hear Biden speak. Everybody, right? Yeah, I, you're just, just done. done. Just done. Out. I'm done. I mean, the Biden thing is just wrong. I mean, I mean, God bless him. You know, I got I'm not going to. I mean, after the, se- the the second time that he the blooper reel, it's like, come on. I just, we, we're in a country of this many people. Right. And, and, and would you put your grandfather up there to, to have that? Right. No. That's, uh, and, you know, in the same way, hey, I, I emceed the Miss America, Miss Universe for Trump and I met Trump. I mean, you, there's not anyone that can say, dude, stay off Twitter. What are you doing? I don't get it, right? man. I'm Nobody just, around to I say, mean, just hide shut, his just phone. shut up. He's 73. Just you think he's going to go up. looking for his phone? It's, it's just uh, this guy. But just, uh, that's a, uh, coming back to the point is I think what happens in that locker room and you get a team like the New Orleans Saints, healthy conversation. I yeah. have enough faith that that healthy, con- even Malcolm Jacobs. When yeah. you sit there and put it, you, you, you're a team. You're able to put all that on the table, have a healthy uh, con- yeah. conversation. I think Drew to gain some perspective, yeah, well, right. The, 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 from some of that, and and vice versa, yeah. Where you're not reading in sixty some odd characters or whatever that is, and I, I think they'll be able to put those differences behind them and go play football. Here's where we are now, though. We're in the same locker room. We see each other. Yep. We play in the same city. Where we are now is I see something like that, or or Gordy does something. I don't. I got your number in my phone. Right. I'll call you. Nowadays, that's not what we do. I'm going to tweet that you were, right. you know, I didn't like what you did or Facebook it or put an Instagram graphic up and that's where it is. And that's a problem. Right. And, and you know, and, and that's our society, our city. I mean, it's on some, our country on so many levels. Yeah. You know, how, how do we get the, the, the right people in the room that want to have the conversation and to the, that's like you and I that, mm-hmm. you know, I can't, I'm so, I don't news. No, no, no. <laughs> don't want right. to hear them nope. scream about nope. so-and-so nope. don't want to hear bloopers on the Democrats. <laughs> don't want to see bloopers on the Republicans. Yeah. Right. You I'm know, out. Oh, where's football comes back to there it is. Please give me football. <laughs> that's it. Please give me football. Hey man, right? I've been watching old 49er games on YouTube. Uh, I'm still not over it yet either. Uh, you know, so that's right. Bright, brave things forward for the Niners. Oh, man. Okay. I hope so, man. It, it was their their name kept. So we, my kids play flag football. Yeah, and it's an NFL league, and you yeah. get to choose your team. Yeah. In the last two years, we've had no 49ers out of the 32 teams that were yeah. out there. Yeah. You've had like last year, you had a bunch of Browns teams that didn't yeah. work out too good yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. I've heard the Niners name come up this year. I just wanted to let you know that. So they're they're growing in popularity. <sighs> Thank you, brother. See, you're a good guy. Yeah. I, I need to hear that. And you know, this I'm doing. Truce is doing this thing with Tyron Matthew and. Uh, He's doing a virtual call with kids, and I've I it I always seem to miss it schedule conflict. But I the day I do it, I've already warned Aisha Burgess and Chief Laduff. Just shut it down. Oh, when I come in, I'm just gonna I'm gonna have a Niner hat on, and because you know you got to. I'm happy for that kid though. I'm really happy no, for him. No, no. Quickly before we go, the biggest news story in football, not about the game, was Patrick Mahomes' contract. Right. And I don't have a problem with it. My attitude with anybody, I'm a capitalist. If somebody's going to pay you a lot of money to do something, take all of it and ask for more. Uh, But what's the impact that a contract that large, a half a billion dollars in total, has on football and where it's going? Well, I mean, there's no question he's a franchise quarterback, all the above. And then the fact that he gets rid of the football and and, and doesn't take hits, I feel even better if, you know, I'm – I'm the Chiefs family, and by the way, the uh, the CFO up there uh, is a, is a friend of mine, uh, Dan Crum, 
he's a Jesuit high school guy, ah, uh, so okay. a New Orleans guy. Um, and, and the Hunts have always run a first-class organization. I mean, look, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, it's been obviously a lot of talk and what have you. What, what, what I, I think the deeper question for different podcasts, what's the NFL going to look like? Mm-hmm. going forward after through this stuff college football i think you're going to see a separation of the strong mm-hmm. right and 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 how does you know i mean gosh let's let's say that virginia tech auburn game happens mm-hmm. and i'm auburn and i got to dig out of a financial hole am i interested in playing samford and uab anymore i'm going to play tv and what mm-hmm. what does and and so i think there's so many questions uh, uh, about the nfl and and how it goes forward from this i have no problem for the money paid and locking down a franchise quarterback, right? I think it's a it, go, go ahead and take care of that thing right now. I just needed him to lose one game. Yeah, in I understand last year, man. That's just that's wrong. That's so. You still wrong. you still with Jimmy G? Oh God, he's the most frustrating pro athlete. He he frustrates me. He just frustrates, and he's always smiling. Yep. You know, I'm annoying. I, now I get why Saints fans were so ticked off with Aaron Brooks smiling all the time. I get it now, Hudats. I get it. Sweet. Look, look, man. We, we I had an hour discussion when the Saints took, or rather the Giants took Barkley, the running back. Yeah. And maybe Jones is their quarterback of the future. Yeah. And it, look, it worked out for him. But it, it was, I remember that discussion. It was like, look, NFL, I need a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, running. everybody's on a platoon running back system, yep. and Barkley's a great one. He is. And so if you get that guy to franchise quarterback, you lock him down. I don't know if we have him yet. We'll see what happens this year. Uh, we lost four games last year all because of him, and I've had people say, well, <laughs> what about the Saints game? Yo, I was at that game, and let me tell you something. If there had been two more minutes on the clock, we'd have lost that game. It was a great football The defenses game. didn't show up on that no. game, although George Kittle did give an Uber ride to a few Saints yeah, players no, on the Kittle, side. Kittle, Kittle was phenomenal <laughs> in that football game, but uh, – you know, again, look at look at the great memories, and I think that's why we, we need we need football, right? This isn't the the jock parts in it. No, I think it's no. he- I think it's healthy for the culture. So year over year, a, a little business here, and and yeah. I, you know my my company does uh, marketing and advertising for clients across the state, and year over year, I've seen an uptick in advertising revenue being spent because people are trying to engage their customer base on so many different levels. There's been more spent this year trying to engage on social media. Yeah. Uh, people are coming back to radio, specifically the prominent n- shows with names you recognize. And then there's digital as well, which right. is all over. You know, you pick up your phone, you're going to see an ad, a pre-roll video ad or a graphic that's a click through to something how are you doing this? How's Garrity doing this? Year? Well, you know the radio side is uh, the radio side took a hit. Yeah, early on, a little over over a third revenue, mm-hmm. and it's gradually got back. And I want to say we're about fifteen percent off year to year yeah. as we sit here in July. And you know, and a big part of it is LSU baseball didn't play right. in the flagship. So right. I mean, that hurt. Yeah, and that really did hurt. Digital, obviously, we, we, we own GatorWorks, and, and they've done well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting to see a lot of people um, during this uh, during this pandemic realized wow i need some work to do on my website when you become more dependent on your website and and there's some obviously some digital tactics to be able to target some people at home and and, you know i think that the you know that's done well and then obviously um where tv people are consuming more tv um you know unfortunately there were some businesses when they were shut down everybody everybody kind of in the traditional world kind of went through that and i think the digital world you saw a shift potentially in some tactics and again i think on a national basis um there's no question the 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 space for connected tv Mm -hmm. 
and the ability to target, right? I mean, I, I can find, I know where you live, what devices you have. Right. And if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I can target Clay Young. I can find Clay Young and put that starter jacket out there that and that's kind of been that's kind of right? been happening starter jacket you know man, i had one times. of those Me way too? back in the day man i and i can't even find the thing now i have a purdue starter jacket they gave with our numbers wow. on it right it, it comes right above my belly button <laughs> it's a great fit we give it to my kid <laughs> gordy rush thanks g i appreciate it thanks for having me coronavirus it's changing as you and i speak right now yeah when the world changes there's one place the capital region comes for answers we have increased stress and the closure of schools podcast225.com and the clay young show answers to your covid19 questions that's pretty much how most viral illnesses act from the people at the top truly an invisible enemy that we're uh fighting here the world is changing are you ready? Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. So, John, people are complaining all over Louisiana about these fruit flies, gnats, whatever you want to call them, in their homes. They are a nuisance, but you can help people with that. We really can. You know, most people forget the step of treating where they're breeding. Okay, okay. You, know, you can kill flies all day long or step on gnats or what have you, but right. until you stop that life cycle, it's going to be a continuous battle. Now, I have been in your store and have purchased what you need to kill them, and it works. What do people need? You need a product to treat the drains. Okay. And that's something you have to do every night for like five days. Okay. In order to make sure you're breaking that life cycle. And okay. then we give you the traps to kill the adults. And folks, believe me, it works. So, John, in the Baton Rouge area, where can I get it? Well, the Baton Rouge store is located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or if you have questions, just give us a call at 273-4788 because we can really help you with that. It's a fact. They helped me, and they can certainly help you at Pesta on O'Neill Lane. When my wife says, you should come party with us. He does. This is Clay Young and the 250th episode of the Clay Young Show. <laughs> oh man. That was one bad idea. That call came way too late on a Saturday. <laughs> Neil, you're nothing but trouble. Thanks to Commissioner Darden, Dr. Bo Clark, and the Gordy Rush for being on episode 250. Thank you for downloading the show and listening to us talk about a number of things from Corona to the... LSU football season, the NFL football season, and everything happening with that. I, I do appreciate you guys being on with me for that. And it's been a great run, 250 in, and a long road to go. I'm looking forward to that. Did all my thanks in the open. Don't need to rehash that, except for one, and that is thank you again for downloading the show, for sharing it, liking it, telling people about us, and to everyone who's called to come on and use this as a conduit to get to the public. I truly appreciate you for that. All right. On Twitter, at ClayYoungBR, Clay underscore Young BR on Instagram, and Clay Young on Facebook. You guys have a fantastic, safe, 
And let's hope quarantine-free, corona-free evening, morning, night, whenever you're listening. And we'll catch you on episode 251 right here at podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.